Well, good morning, Anthem. So good to be together as much as we can this morning. It was great to see some of you last night at the watch party, and so glad for everyone who's joining today, making comments in the comments box. Um, it's great to, to have this community in time together, even when we are a time when we are apart. We're going to be continuing on today in our series about Jonah. Um, we've been talking through this account of Jonah in the Bible, talking about the first thing you think about when you think about Jonah is usually Jonah and the whale, but that actually it's not about the whale, the story of Jonah. The whale was just the transportation to get Jonah where he needed to be, where God needed him to be, and the story is so much more and so much bigger than that. So the last three weeks we've been talking um, about these uh, different different things in each of the chapters of Jonah. In, in the first chapter, God speaks to Jonah. Um, God says, Jonah, go, go to Nineveh and preach, uh, preach the repentance to this wicked city. Um, Nineveh was actually a, a real city. Sometimes we think like in the Bible, there's like the real world, the Bible world, Middle Earth, and Narnia. And it's like no, the Bible world and the real world are the real world. Nineveh is a real city. Um, the ruins of it, you can, you can Google Earth it right now. Nineveh, where it is, near uh, Mosul, and uh, is the ruins that they're there. So you can hop on a plane, grab your mask. I'm sure there's no one around you. Fly there, see it. It's a little different than it was in Jonah's day, but it is a real place. So the beginning of Jonah and this account in the Bible, God says, Jonah, go. Go and tell these people that um, they need to repent. Jonah decides, no, I'm going to go the other way. Um, God says, sorry. He causes this big fish to swallow him and bring him back to where he wants him to be. Second chapter, Jonah speaks to God. Jonah cries out from the belly of the fish um, as he's been swallowed. Chapter three is God speaks through Jonah. Jonah um, goes back to Nineveh like God has originally told him to do, and he um, does. He preaches the shortest sermon ever, and 120,000 people repent and, and cry out to God for redemption. It was 120,000 probably men, which means double, triple than that number of people that were in that great city. God speaks through Jonah, and this crazy, crazy revival breaks out and happens. And now, here we are in the account of Jonah in chapter 4, and this is Jonah and God speaking together. So what's led right up to this is Jonah has walked, walked through the city and um, preached a sermon. People have repented, and the people are crying out, who knows, maybe if we repent, God will not destroy us. And so Jonah, he goes out of the city. He's done his, checked up off the box, preached short sermon ever, gone out, probably sitting on a hill overlooking the city, and he's waiting to see what's going to happen. And probably we would think that this, I mean, that's incredible. Like, if, if I'm going somewhere to preach a short sermon to see 120,000 people repent and turn back to God, like, sign me up for that. But so we would think this is, like, a huge win, right, for Jonah. Um, but he has sort of a different response than maybe we would think. So this is this account in Jonah 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents 
concerning calamity. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. Then the Lord said, Do you have a good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it, where he could make a shelter for himself, and sat down under it, sat down under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. So here's Jonah sitting, he's looking at the city. He's he's seen this incredible incredible sight. As he's walking through, three days through Nineveh, people repenting. Then he sees the king repenting and crying out to God for mercy. And he's like, wow, this greatly displeased Jonah. He became angry. So so why, why this strange reaction, right? So at the beginning of this, as we've been thinking about Jonah's journey, we may have thought, wow, Jonah jumped this ship to Tarshish to go the other direction because he was uh, afraid maybe um, didn't want to travel the distance, afraid of that, that call. I mean, who, who wants to really sign up for, like, turn and repent to a, a wicked city to walk through it? Like, I don't really want to sign up for that job. So maybe it was the, the fear of that. But as we're reading his words, it seems like the fear was that he was afraid he'd be effective and that God would actually answer what the people were saying, that he feared he would actually succeed, not that he would fail. Jonah says, I didn't want to preach to these people because I knew you could show them mercy. So what are some of the things we can learn from Jonah? First of all, I think it's important to see that Jonah knew God. Jonah knew God. He says in this verse, you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Jonah knew who God was. When, Jonah, when God called Jonah to do this, he was like, I know who this is. I know my Bible. That's a, those are words from the Bible, from Scripture. And um, he knew God's character. And he, he also knows God in the way that you see he speaks to him. He says some bold stuff to God, you know? Like, especially after the last time he disobeyed God, went the other way, he got swallowed by a fish. He's in the belly of a fish spits him back out, and still he's, like, not afraid to be like, God, I'm angry about this. Like, real, real words. I mean, if that's happening something, maybe for you, when you're at work and something happens, your boss makes, like, a wrong call or something like that, you're not knocking on the door to the CEO of the company, and you're like, what was the call that you just made? You decided decision. You know, like, that's, that's, you're not going to do that. You're going to get in your car on the way home, and you're going to call someone, your friend, your spouse. You're going to be like, this is what happened. This is what the coworker did. This is what our boss did. That, like, the person that you're close to, that's who you're going to express strong emotion to. But Jonah, there's no, like, ah, sovereign Lord, like, maybe you have perhaps made a wrong decision. He's like, no, I'm angry. Like, what, what were you thinking? He is, he is real with God. He is honest. Jonah is someone who knew God who knew God. And not only that, but we see that God answers Jonah. He actually speaks back to him and just that closeness even that God would respond to him. And notice that Jonah doesn't doesn't respond to God's response. He's like, I don't want to talk to you right now. I just want to go see what's going to happen to the city. We'll talk later. But God does respond back to Jonah. So what about Jonah and um, these people who were in Nineveh? So Nineveh was uh, one time the capital city of a nation called Assyria. Assyria were a different group of people from Jonah's group. Jonah was an Israelite, part of the Israelite people. And Assyrians and Israelites 
the two nations were enemies of each other and had been enemies of each other. So they were different groups. And Jonah knew and, and felt that God, Yahweh, this God, was for the Israelites, was for the Jewish people. And so for God to then show mercy to a people that were not his people, this was like an original story of racism, really, racism in Jonah's heart about his own people, his own people that were God's chosen people that deserved mercy. But these other people, these Assyrians, they were not a group of people who deserved, deserved mercy that were from God. And so not only is there the tension, this ethnic group difference tension, there's also the fact that it, it tells us in Jonah chapter 1 that this was a wicked people, a lawless people. And to know that Jonah, I mean, he, he'd, probably, he'd heard about it. I don't know if he'd been to Nineveh before, but it was uh, this glorious capital city, so it would have been well known. And he had just walked through the city. He knew what kind of people were there and what he had seen. And he was like, yeah, these people, no, these people deserve, deserve justice, not mercy, these wicked people. Like, not these people. These people can't just say, God, give us a second chance. And for God to give them a second chance, like, they deserve justice, not mercy. And, you know, Jonah, Jonah knew God and knew who he was. But just in that moment, he just didn't really like it. You know, he, he knew God is compassionate, slow to anger. But in this moment, Jonah wanted God to be the God of, of justice, to, to say this is this people and they deserve this punishment. And it's maybe easy to, to think, Jonah, your, your reaction is crazy and why don't you just have mercy on these people? But um, to think about who are the people, maybe we don't have enemies like Jonah did in that day. Maybe we don't walk around lawless cities. But um, people that we know in our own life that we know are, and we feel like, wow, we really want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for those people, for those people. Maybe we know them personally, or we're just thinking about people in the world that we're like, those are people that do not deserve, they don't, we don't want them to have a second chance, or we just, we just want to make sure that they receive the justice that we feel like they, they need to atone for the things that they've done. We're criminals, the people who are, are making our society, who are doing all sorts of evil things in the world. We, we know that. We, we're aware of the evil that's in the world. We're aware of the evil in our own world. And so this is what Jonah's faced with when he's seeing, look, God could have mercy on these people. And really, hundreds of years later, the Assyrian Empire is the, the empire who would come and would conquer the northern kingdom, the northern Israelite kingdom, and would decimate the kingdom and would take 27,000 of them into slavery. So Eventually, they, they, they were this wicked people that, that did this to um, the Israelites, Jonah's people. So that was true, that they continued to be <laughs> this wicked people. But Jonah thought he knew best on how to handle them. He wanted mercy for himself and his people, but justice for these people, these wicked people who he saw. So he's cried out to God. He's, he's verbalized his anger. Here's how the story goes on. So, here's Jonah. He's sitting outside the city. So the Lord appointed a plant that grew up over Jonah to be shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. 
When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head, so he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. So, what's happening here? God sees Jonah's heart, and he prepares this object lesson for him. It's kind of a weird object lesson for him. Good job trying to replicate the object lesson. You know, plants that grow up in a day. God uses gardening. I don't know. But this is the the object lesson that God prepares for Jonah in ways only God can. He causes this plant to grow up. Jonah's like, boom, I love this plant. This is awesome. I can watch the city be destroyed while under the shade. And then the next day, the plant's gone. He's hot. He's like, this is the worst. This is the worst ever. And uh, Jonah finds this weird, like, attachment to this plant. Now, now this plant was there, and now it's gone, and he's all angry and bitter about it. And really, he could have said that, that death is better to be in life, and it could have been all over then. It could have been like, and then lions roaming the country came up and ate Jonah because of the ways he spoke to God. Or God was like, well, I'm not going to judge the Assyrians, but the fire of heaven rained down on Jonah. And it really could have, God just could have been like, enough, <laughs> enough talking back to me about all of these things. But he, he doesn't. He doesn't. He, he has prepared this lesson just to speak to Jonah's heart. Not only did Jonah know God, but God knew Jonah and knew what was in his heart and what he needed to know. The account, this story of Jonah, this, this whole account is really a story about a God who is big enough, whose story of redemption is big enough to reach an entire city turning back to God and specific enough to reach one man and where he was at in that moment. That is that story. It, it encompasses all of that, that, the bigness of the repentance and restoration story of a nation and of one, one person. So what does this plant lesson mean? The account goes on. Verse 9. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. And the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, this great city, where there are more than 120,000 persons who don't know the difference between their right and left hands as well as many animals? Jonah had, had so much emotion over something that really he did nothing to achieve. He didn't make the vine grow. He he didn't even thank God for the vine. He wasn't, even the day after, it wasn't like, well, God, thank you so much. At least one day I had the shade from the heat. He he didn't acknowledge that at all, that that had happened. It it was just like once it was gone, he's like, what, where's my vine? What, what's, what is the deal, God? The anger about it. And I mean, has that ever happened in your own life? We're like, get angry about stuff that we really didn't have any hand in it all. It just happened. God provided for us. God provided and maybe God took away. Um, but we can get so focused on that, that one thing that we feel like we deserved or was really important. And, and basically, God's using this picture as this megaphone to Jonah to say, Jonah, this is not about you. You are worried about this vine. You're worried about your own comfort. But I made the vine and I can choose to take it away. I made the people of Assyria and I can choose if I want to give them a second chance. You're just so wrapped up in your own life and your own view of what you think is right. But I am God, and I get to make that choice. Shouting this, this message to Jonah. And, and Jonah, 
knew that this was true. Again, you are gracious and compassionate God. He knew who God was, even though he wanted to judge the city. But God said, no, I am God, and I want to give them a second chance. And really, that's, that's the God of there of Jonah's day. Again, there's no Bible world in the real world. That's the God that we serve today, a God who not only wants to give people second chances, but chases after lawless people. It wasn't like God called up Jonah and was like, I hear you're going on vacation past Nineveh. Like, once you go by, can you just detour through the city and be like, hey, repent, God's going to destroy you, and we'll just give him like a, hey, second chance if you take it. There you go. God was like, no, Jonah, you go. Go from your life and go and tell these people to repent, to turn back to me. And when Jonah said no and turned the other direction, God went and got him and said, no, Jonah, I I need you. I want to give these people a second chance. I need you to go and to tell them. That's the kind of God that we choose to follow, that we choose to believe in, we become followers of Jesus, who chases after people, who wants all people. The Bible says this, he wants all people to come to know him and to be saved, that all people would have a chance, a chance to do that. And, you know, <laughs> this is how the, the, the story of Jonah ends, the book of Jonah ends his account. That's the last verse, God's response to Jonah like that. But, Um, we know eventually Jonah didn't miss the significance of this lesson, of God's lesson, because he chose to write it down. We would never have the account of what has happened, the the prayer in in the belly of a fish, this conversation with God, if at one point Jonah didn't get it, and he wrote it down so that we we could learn God's lesson. He got it, that this was God's choice. This was God's bigger redemption story. It was bigger than him. It was not about him. And God's saying the same thing to us. It's not about us. That it's not about those vines that we think we deserve that are here today and gone tomorrow. That we are part of a much bigger redemption story that he's saying, I want all people, I want all people to have the chance to come back to me. That all people would have the chance to say that I am God and to return. And so that He, as God, as that gracious and compassionate God, can have compassion on all people. And that is a a challenge for us today to know that we can get so stuck on looking at our own lives, those own things in our lives that don't really matter, or even those own things in our lives that we think we deserve or that we deserve from God, when we know that God actually wants us to be a part of a much bigger redemption story. Even I hear it sometimes in, in the Christian world when people are like, Lord Jesus, come back. We're like, just waiting for Jesus to return. Here we are in coronavirus, and we're like, Jesus, return and bring us to heaven so we don't have to deal with this. And I think sometimes God is sitting there like, are you kidding me? Like, I don't want to return yet. There are too many people who don't know yet who I am. What, what kind of selfish prayer is it that you just want me to come back and get you out of where you are? Like, I, I am here. He doesn't want to return before all people have a chance to turn back to him. That should be our prayer that before that happens, before Jesus has returned, that we can take the, make the most of every opportunity that we have to be a part of God's desire to chase after people who are far from God. To chase after people. And that is, you know, Jonah was just a man. He wasn't like super special. He wasn't like Jesus and came from a virgin or something. He was just a guy. 
He was an ordinary man, but God used him to do extraordinary things and to make an extraordinary impact so that people could once again meet God and have that chance to meet him. And, and God wants to use us. He wants to use us as a part of that redemption story if we are, are willing <laughs> to hear what God's saying. Do you know God? Jonah knew God. When, when God gave Jonah this task to go, Jonah knew the God who was asking him to go. And so that was really Jonah's first step. Do you, do you today, do you know God? And do you know what he's telling you to do when he's speaking to you? Do you even know that he wants you to be part of his redemption story? The account of Jonah is that, that God is big enough for an entire city, an entire nation, an entire world. God's redemption story is big enough for the entire world, but yet he is specific enough to know right where your heart is at, right where you are at, to speak to you in a loving, compassionate way, just like he did with Jonah, who really didn't deserve God's loving, compassion lesson after his response. But God wants to meet you where you are today and speak to what's in your heart, to speak to the anger or emotion that you have against him in your heart today. He is close, and he, he wants you to, to know that, that he is in it with you. But at the same time, we had to also take the opportunity to take our eyes off our own life and know that God wants to use us for something greater. And that's my prayer for us today, that we would know God and we would listen to what he is asking us to do. We're going to move into a, a, a worship song. We've had some great times of worship here in the studio, um, preparing these, these worship songs that we can then sing together on Sunday mornings. I was able to be a part of this worship song. Um, so as you're, you are enjoying this song, as you're singing these words um, in your heart, with your mouth, whatever feels awkward to you, just, you know, in your head, doesn't matter. Here we are online engaging in worship. We're doing the best that we can. As you are, are listening, reflecting, singing, whatever, on these words, um, I'll, I'll pray that you would think about some of those things. Where are you taking your eyes off your own life and putting them on Jesus and asking Asking God, do I know you? Do I know who you are? And am I listening to the ways you want me to be a part of your greater redemption story? Let's worship together.